Good evening and thank you for joining us one more time. I am Joshua Joy Dara, pastor of Zion Hill Church family. We have been studying the entire Bible, book by book by book. Today we are on the book of Joel. There are only three chapters in that book. I love the book of Joel for several reasons. By the way, let me confess to you, I love books that are not too big. <laughs> because I can, I can just get it and knock it out in matters of a few minutes or one or two hours. So I really have an appreciation for the book of Joel. Just three chapters. Please permit me to say to you up front that Mr. Joel was a prophet. Now, why is that such a big deal? There are four things you need to know about prophets. Number one, prophets, they hear from God, and when they speak what does says the Lord, many times they are ignored. In other words, People just look at him or her. It's just a fool running his mouth. So the first thing you need to know about prophets, many times they are ignored. The second thing you need to know about prophets is that many times, believe it or not, they are mistreated. Some of them get their head cut off. Some of them are abused. Some of them are mistreated. Some of them are beaten. Some of them are just handled very poorly. That's the second thing you need to know. The third thing you need to know about prophets, some of them, because of the price that many other prophets paid, so when they hear from God, they simply are silent. They don't say nothing. That's a dangerous thing for God to give you a word and you don't release that word for the benefit of God's people. There's a fourth thing, which is even more dangerous, and that is that some prophets, because of fear of being abused, being mistreated, they speak what the people wants to hear. That's a spirit of compromise. That's a fancy word for being a sellout. Why am I tell, calling your attention to all these four things? Because the word of God must be relevant to today. Have you noticed how many prophets spoke concerning this past election and they were dead wrong? That's the problem. Some prophet, because of the challenge of being ignored, because the challenge of being mistreated, and they just begin to say things that the people wants to hear. Why am I telling you? You need to know how to identify a God prophet, a godly man, a godly woman in your life. A godly man, a godly woman is someone who speaks from the heart of God who does not compromise the word of God, who is bold 
to speak out even when nobody wants to hear him or her. I pray that God will lead you and guide you because you have the right to judge prophecies. So you don't have to take anybody's word just for granted. You check him out. See if that man, if that woman is truly a person sent from God. Also check if what you are hearing is in agreement with the word of God. Also check if it's a confirmation of something that God has been speaking to your own heart. Now let's talk about Prophet Joel. The time that he was writing, ladies and gentlemen, the people just returned from exile in Babylon. That's very important as a background to help you to appreciate the whole book. Another thing you need to know about Prophet Joel is that he was quoting several other prophets. So he's a very learned, very well-trained, well-learned brother. That's important because part of the challenge we have today, a lot of people who are trying to speak concerning what does says the Lord, they won't study, they will not read, and they're just freelancing. And one thing I love about Joel, Joel was a very well-read prophet. In his writing, you see him quoting Isaiah. He was quoting Ezekiel. He was quoting Prophet Amos. He was talk, quoting Prophet Jeremiah. I mean, so well learned. If you know anything about me, you will know that I value education. It's a dangerous thing for somebody to be speaking and really have no knowledge, just, just running their mouth. In my opinion, this is what I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not about what you think. Have you done your homework? Have you done your research? Have you studied? Have you waited on the Lord and let the Holy Spirit download prof profound heavenly stuff in your spirit? I have a lot of respect for Joel because Joel was very well qualified when they start to write, when they start to speak to the people what does says the Lord. Remember I told you that there were only three chapters in the book. And the focus of those three chapters can be summarized in two words. Number one, he talks heavily about locust. And number two, he talks about outpouring. So keep those two words in mind as we dive into the book to understand the whole book of Joel. The word locust and the word outpouring. All right, now that you get that, let me also share a little secret with you about how to understand the book of Joel. I'm going to be using the letter of the alphabet called R, as in Rachel. Why is that important? Let me tell you a little bit about my own self to, 
so that you understand how I come up with some of what I'll be telling you. When I was in school, especially when I was in college, university, even law school, I really was so poor I could not afford to buy textbook. So the only way I learned is to go to the library, like, like the law school library. I went to Southern University in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So most students, they use their, their money or their parents' money or their loan. I was not a, a U.S. citizen back then, so I couldn't get a loan. I was not qualified for one. And I didn't have the support from home, so I don't have textbook. So the way I learned, and I'm still using that in my ministry today, the way I learned is to go to the library, read all day, all night, for the most part, and then come up with some kind of acronym to understand or to, to create a, a note, a point of reference for what I've learned. You know why I have to do that? Because you're not allowed to take the books from the library. You cannot really take it home. It's not like college library that you can check out books. In a law library, you read it, but you leave the book there. So anyway, so I've learned to use a lot of acronyms. In fact, it works for me so well. <laughs> Believe it or not, when I was a law student, I became a teacher of other law students. <laughs> Isn't that strange? They have the textbook. I don't. But because I have a system to understand what I'm reading, I end up creating a tutorial for students, and I would charge them $10. And ironically, that's how I pay my school fees. Isn't that something? God just give that to me. You might be saying, how does that relate to <laughs> studying the Bible? <laughs> I just want you to know, I don't want you to think I'm a genius or something because I'm looking at the camera and I'm just firing scriptures and firing revelations and you might say, wow, this guy is a genius. No, I've studied the book and then I, I come up with an acronym that will help me to preach it or to explain it or to teach it to somebody else or to go to any court and present it. So in the acronym that I'm going to be using today is the letter R, like in ritual. And the first R to, to understand the book of Joel is relationship. What did I say? <laughs> relationship. So the whole book is about the relationship of Almighty God with the people of Israel. Joel was trying to call the attention to the kind of relationship with, they have with God. Joel said, I want you all to teach this to your children. Let your children know the way you've been relating to God in the past. Let your children know how God brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery. 
let your children know how God brought you through the Red Sea. Let your children know how God fed you with manna. You had a relationship with God, and God always do for you. God always bailed you out, even though you were acting no good. And then that brings me to the second R. Joel is trying to tell them, look, in light of your behavior to, with God, it is very, very important that you repent. That's the second R, repentance. So the whole book of Joel is about repentance. Don't forget that R. Joel was telling the people, you need to repent. You need to go to God. Have you ever seen people that just acted rudely to somebody else and you just happened to be there? And sometimes you will tell that somebody and say, look, you are wrong the way you talked to your father. You need to go and apologize to your dad. Or sometimes it may be a child that you're you're trying to set straight. Sometimes it may be a spouse. You just happen to be there and you see how a brother talked to his wife and you're a friend of that brother. You say, no, hey, dude, that was not appropriate. You owe your wife an apology. Or it could be the other way around. So Joel was like that third party saying to Israel, you need to repent before God. God has always been nice to you, but you are acting a fool. You need to go to God and repent and say, I'm sorry. Then, that brings us to the next hour. Joel is telling the people of Israel. He said, let me school you, let me help you. If you refuse... That's the next R. If you refuse to repent, he said, what happens to the Egyptians before? How God sent a plague to attack your enemy. This time, God's going to allow the enemy to attack you. And then he identified that plague that God's going to use, he call it locusts. You probably may have heard preachers say uh, in their preaching, in their prayer, they will say things like, everything the locusts have stolen, everything the canker worm have stolen. That was all from the book of Joel. <laughs> Joel is telling them, look, guys, you need to straighten up. You need to repent. You, if you refuse to to repent, if you don't attend to your relationship with God, then God's going to send locusts. Now, there's one thing I need to point out about the locusts. He is actually talking about, he's using a metaphor. The term locusts is really talking about the enemy of Israel, like Babylon, like Assyria. And many times that's what God does. He will allow your enemy, my enemy, to get us straight. 
when we refuse to straighten out to do the will of God. You might be saying, how does that apply to today? Well, let me break it down to your level. Do you realize that the reason why we're going through coronavirus pandemic right now is because we have messed up our relationship with God. The book of Joel did not specifically identify what Israel was doing wrong. But when he told Israel to remember their relationship, guess what Israel was guilty about? Two things primarily. Idolatry, the worship of another God. Isn't that true about you and me today? <laughs> guess what? The second thing is what the Bible describes as social sin. What do we mean by social sin? We're talking about injustice. Are we not guilty of that in America? Have you noticed how innocent people get locked up in jail? Injustice, social sin will be mistreatment of the elderly mistreatment of the poor, taking advantage of the weak, mistreatment of foreigners. I mean, you can go down the line and then you bring that to America, you say, ha, now I got it. Honestly, I don't mean to be a bad person, but I wasn't surprised one bit <laughs> when I hit you. I mean, it's not even funny. You don't even have to be half a theologian to see a clear picture of what we are doing wrong in America. You remember how a police officer used his knee to take the life of another person and treat him like a dog on the street. Injustice. You will not believe how many people have been through the court system. And sometimes we call right wrong. And we call wrong right. Injustice. Do you remember how all those precious people from, I think they're from Hispanic countries, I don't know, Colombia, Mexico, I don't know. They take their children from them. And what is their sin? They didn't steal from nobody. They're just looking for a better life. Injustice. Be careful how you treat the little people. Be careful how you treat those who are weak in the society. God specifically told Israel, be sensitive. Even if you, if you have a good farm, set aside some portion to help the poor, to take care of the hungry, to take care of the needies. You'll be amazed how many people go through the entire year and never help nobody. You'll be shocked how many churches do not be included in their budget a plan to help anyone. The government just come up with some kind of help for people. 
they waited and waited till last minute. Many people are dying. People are lined up for food in the richest country in the whole world. And then when they finally decide what they're going to do, they say, let's give $300 for every kid. Well, let's give $600 for the adult. Well, you do the math. How far will $600 go to help anybody? Don't get me wrong. I'm grateful that they are, they're finally doing something. But what we do, how we treat others, can make us or break us. The sin of Israel was primarily twofold. Idolatry, the worship of another God, the worship of heroes, the worship of self, the worship of material things, and secondly, social sin, injustice, mistreatment, unkindness to the elderly, mistreatment of the weak, the poor. So now, Joel is saying, you need to repent. If you don't repent, the locusts will come again. Translation, the enemy will come and claim you out. That brings me to another R. This time, Joel is saying, but if you do repent, now, here's going to be God's reaction. In other words, if the, 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 <laughs> the ball is in your, in your court, and if you repent, I mean, you have one of two choices. You can either refuse to hear the word of God, just like many of you refuse to pray, many of you refuse to go to church, many of you refuse to, to read your Bible, you refuse to be nice, you refuse to be, to be kind, you refuse to act right. I can go on and on. He say, if you will not repent, if you refuse to do that which is right, then God don't have no other choice but to allow judgment of God. The locusts will come. But what if you repent? What's God going to do about it? Maybe you like me. You've made mistakes. You've made wrong turns. Every now and then you're not perfect. But you had enough sense to say, Lord, I am sorry. Then God will have to react. That's the iron that I'm talking about now. The reaction of Almighty God. And God's reaction is actually another hour. The Bible calls it redemption. God will redeem you. It amazes me how the whole book of Joel is a summary of the entire Bible. Do you know that's the Bible in a nutshell? That God established a relationship with you? That you and I will screw up that relationship? And now God is giving us an option to repent or face judgment. And we have the option to either refuse 
to listen to God or actually repent. And if we do repent, guess what God would do? The same thing that Joel is telling the people. God will redeem his people back to God. Redemption is a big deal. Hallelujah. You know what Joel described in his book? What will happen in terms of redemption? He said, number one, by the way, three things that Joel said. Number one, he said, God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Hallelujah. I believe with all my heart, if America, you and me, we are Americans. If we will do what is right in the sight of God, all these fires will be gone in a flash. God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Somebody talk about making America great again. Well, I just told you what will make us great. The same thing was echoed in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. There God said, if my people, who are called by my name, if they will do four things, God said, I will react and do three things. What are those four things? Number one, humble themselves. Number two, pray. Number three, seek God. Number four, turn from your wicked ways. Do you get the list? Let's try again. Number one, humility. Number two, prayer. Number three, seek God. Number four, turn from your wicked ways. God said, if you will do that for our counter, here's God's reaction. He said, I will counter you, number one, I will hear you when you call. Number two, I will forgive you all of your wrongs. And number three, I will heal your land. Well, if I ask you today, do you want God to heal America of this coronavirus, this plague we are facing right now? I'm sure you will say, oh, you better believe I want it. Some of you say, yes, indeed. I want it now. We need it now. Well, God is waiting for us to do our part. Remember what I said earlier? The ball is in our court. God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh if you will repent. Number two, you know what he said? He said, your young people will see visions. Hallelujah. You know, this year is supposed to be a year of great vision, 2020 vision. Have you ever wondered what went wrong? I'll tell you what went wrong. Vision is the ability to see beyond your norm. Vision is the ability to see a preferred future. Vision is the ability to see beyond your now. But the problem is that when we are caught up in sin, in mistreating others, in all this bipartisan division, 
lack of unity among the, the races, lack of unity in government, lack of unity in the community, lack of unity in the church house. The result of that, yes, you have vision, all right, but you now have blurry vision. You can see, but you don't see good. That's the problem. But when we repent, one of God's promise to the people of Israel and to you and me is that your young people shall see vision. They will see clearly again. He said, totally your old folks will dream dreams. Hallelujah. God is in the business of redeeming his people. You really want to know why Jesus came to this planet Earth? I know we're in the season of Christmas. He came to redeem you and me back to God. We have messed up, we have screwed up. Sin has separated us from, from God. And here comes Jesus. He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. Well, that brings me to the next R. I told you, I got, a, I got me an acronym. I show you my secret, how I studied the Bible. <laughs> the next R, ladies and gentlemen, not only will God redeem us, but God will restore us. That word is restoration. Wow. You say, what are, you, are we talking about? The Bible says God will restore you in a way that will blow your mind. Things that you have lost. Things that you are missing right now. Things that I have lost. Things that I'm missing. He said he will restore everything back to us. You begin to read that from the book of Joel, chapter 2, beginning from verse 25. He talks about everything that the locals have stolen from you. Everything, the, the canker worm, the palmer worm. In fact, another thing that blows people's mind, those locals, God called it my great army. You say, what are you talking about? In other words, you think the devil is trying to mess with you, but many times, God allows some things to happen in our life. God don't do evil. God don't do wrong. He cannot even do wrong if he wants to. He is a holy God. But when his children refuse to listen, refuse to repent, refuse to get back with God, God sometimes will back up. And man, once your enemies see that God is not your covering, then they come in <laughs> to knock you out. I've been there. My prayer for you and me today is that we will have enough sense to get back with God so that God can redeem us. Hallelujah. Meaning that he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Our young people will see visions. Our Old folks will dream big dreams, and we need that. It's called a day of refreshing. 
as opposed to the theme of this old book called the Day of the Lord. Joel was prophesying to the people, watch out, the day of the Lord will come if you don't do these things. What do we mean by the day of the Lord? Typically for most people in, in Israel, that's a day when God snapped, when the judgment of God comes upon a people or upon a nation like some of what we are dealing with right now. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe with all my heart that God wants to restore America. You know one thing? Why God always want to restore his children back to God? I'll tell you it. That brings me to the last R. Because of his reputation. What did I call it? <laughs> reputation. God has a reputation. God does not want to be perceived by the enemies of Israel as a God who cannot protect his own children. He does not want to be perceived as a God who is mean and hateful, always crushing his own children. So in every book that you have studied from Genesis, you will see God constantly reaching out, not only to forgive us, but to redeem us and to restore us because he has a name, a reputation to protect. I believe God wants to redeem you right now. I believe God wants to redeem me. Everything the devil has stolen from you, my friend, well, let me talk about me. Everything the devil has stolen from me, God wants to restore it back to me. The same thing is true with you. Everything the devil has stolen from you, God wants to restore it. Your list may be different from my list. For some people, it may be your health. To some, it may be your relationship. To some people, it may be your children. They them run away. They don't even talk to you anymore. For some, it may be your job. For some people, it may be your dream, your vision, your business. I mean, the list goes on and on. Because according to John 10, verse 10, the devil, our enemy, comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy us. God never does that. God said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. We are the one, because of our sin, we open door. And when we open door, the enemy comes in and attack us and steal from us. Those enemies what we call the locusts, the canker worm, the palmer worm. And then when they devastate us, when they steal from us, sometimes they steal our joy, sometimes they steal our peace, sometimes they steal our happiness. You'd be amazed. Some of you are listening to me right now, but you're not happy. The enemy have done that. 
You'll be amazed. Some of you, you you've always have a good life. Now, you, you can't even put your finger on what is going on. You just know that you, you can't even sleep. You're miserable. You're pacing the floor. Some of you, it may be the inconvenience of not having the, the resources. The Bible says, my God shall supply all your needs, but you find yourself struggling month after month. Payday loan. You say, why am I going through this? I'm a child of God. I'm supposed to have enough at least. God's supposed to supply all my needs. I'm supposed to be living in a land of more than enough, not a land of not enough. Well, thank God for restoration. God wants to restore back to us everything we're missing. And I want to encourage you this evening, take an inventory of your life. I have to do the same thing. I would not ask you to do anything that I'm not willing to do. In every area that you see that you have opened door for the enemy to attack you, close that door. That's what we call repentance. And by the way, let me end on this note. When the prophet talks about repentance, he wanted a true repentance. That's why Prophet Joel said, render your heart and not your garment. That's a profound word in the book of Joel. Because you might say, oh, okay, that's all he want. Okay, I repent. You know you're tripping. You know that's not from your heart. You know you don't intend to change. You'd be amazed how many people come to church. They get their grooves on, they shake their booty, they put on a face, but they have not repented of their mess-up, of their sin, of their mistakes. That's why the prophet said, true repentance is when you render your heart and not your garment. Anybody can wear nice clothes. Anybody can put on a facade. Anybody can pretend to be holy when they're not. But God judges the motives of your heart. The good thing is that you can begin today. Can I be brutally honest with you as I close? I had to do that. Ain't nobody looking at me. Nobody made me do it. In fact, if you look at me from the outside, everything seemed to be normal. But oh, I knew I could do better. I asked God to give me another chance. Don't get me wrong. Am I there yet? No. I'm still under construction. It may not be something you will accomplish overnight. But let God see that you have a heart striving to come close to him. Striving to draw closer to him. And you know what is so good about God? When you draw close to him, he will draw close to you. Thank you for listening to me this evening. I always enjoy just sharing with you. 
I hope and pray that something has been said or done to increase your faith and to help you in your Christian journey. If you need prayer, maybe this message has touched you in a very special way and you just want somebody to pray with you. There's a number under the screen. Dial that number. Guess what? There are ministers of the gospel waiting to pray with you and to rejoice with you. Maybe you're making a decision to rededicate your life to Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're making a decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. That's where it starts. The Bible says if you, if you will confess him with your mouth and believe him in your heart, that God sent him to this world to die for your sin, you shall be saved. Well, that's premise on the reality of recognizing that you're a sinner. You need a savior. I've had to do the same thing. I realize without God, I don't stand a chance. If you would do that today, God will accept you. And a new life begin today. And maybe you're already a, a Christian. But there comes a time when we, we backslide. You can come back to God today and say, Lord, I want to begin again. I want to rededicate my life to you. And believe me, today will be a new beginning in your life. That's my prayer for you. May God bless you until we meet again. Amen.